Okay, well every blessing to you all and welcome back to our end of year video. This will be our 10th, I believe, in fact, just for the record, we've been on YouTube 10 years as of this year and to my and our pleasant surprise, we've had over three and a half million views since 2007. That's amazing, uh, the material that's been prepared and put out. Absolutely. I was particularly impressed with your little uh, five minute clip on Trump and Jerusalem. Well, what a year that's been. What was the story on that? Well, I think two, three weeks ago, Trump oh. finally declared that America would uh, recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. The uh, eternal city. And, of course, the usual left-wing secular press teamed up with the Muslims to stand against Israel. And they've been very successful, I'm afraid to say, in uh, joining forces over the last, what, 50 years, yeah, 60 years? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because as of this morning, I see that the Turkish government have announced that they will open their own embassy mm. in East Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean, I saw, watched a little bit of this, this group meeting over the weekend. There's over 100 there from 100 different Muslim countries. It's Ankara. But, Ankara, yeah, but this big special meeting and they mm. condemn the whole thing. I think what I find amazing is you've got the sort of the West, people like Merkel who has no children and Macron mm. who has no children and the guy in Ireland who has no children and our Prime Minister, Mrs. Children, uh, Mrs. May, I should say, <laughs> who has no children, mm. siding with this gang. Mm. It's all biblical. It's Jerusalem is the capital of That's Israel. Right. Always has been. And so you've got this hardline Muslims there saying they're going to put the embassy in. West Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, wherever it is, but we've got all these English, uh, all these European governments siding with these people. Pseudo-Christian as well. Pseudo-Christian as well. Oh yes, I mean our primes are going to church every Sunday. It is uh, absolutely amazing absolutely that crazy. you've got so-called Christian governments, mm. Christian nations, teaming up with Islamists to stand against Israel. A little Israel. Mm. But we'll come back to that, uh, no doubt, in a few minutes time. Sure, yeah. So this has been a very successful year for us. We've been <coughs> uh, to many towns and cities throughout the year. Uh, in fact, this year we've done four outreaches, driven over three and a half thousand miles. And unfortunately, we had a car crash or an incident <laughs> yeah. concerning our hire car right at the end of uh, our trip to Gold is Green. But we'll come back to that as well, no doubt, in a few minutes. But the year began very positively for us in uh, February during our trip to Oxford. What are yeah. your thoughts and memories from well, Oxford? Well, it was wonderful getting to Oxford to see the, mar the Martyrs Memorial. Absolutely. Uh, where those brave men died. Yep. Uh, Latimer and Ridley and many others as well. We were able to get there, yeah. do a little video on that. Uh, remarkable spot. There's a spot in the road if you ever go there. You can see where the stake was. Yeah. The buildings haven't changed all that much mm. uh, since this uh, awful thing happened there. So that was good. Yeah, I got to speak to a seminarian from the Church of England. Nice little guy. Uh, getting ready for ordination in June. And I went through all the sort of uh, blasphemous things which the Church of England is going through now, the way it's pushing all these controversial subjects. Yep. And he shrugged and he said, I know, I know, we shouldn't be doing this, we shouldn't be doing that. But it's what I want to do. It's what I really want to do. And I think I can make a difference. But I said, how are you going to do that? You need to become born again. So I gave him one of our tracks. I yep. said, when you get ordained, send me a picture, you know, and I'll pray for you. And fact, I said, I'll come down to your church. How's that? Being slightly I'm, facetious. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't do it. But I did say, but I felt, I like the little guy. Mm. He was a nice little guy as well. And I think he was sincere, you know, but he's got a lot of theological problems ahead yeah, of him. You know, know. What, what they're pushing in the Church of England. And it's all coming from the top, from these guys at the top. Yeah. And you also did a bit of a street preach in... Uh 
Oxford and those demons came yeah, over to you. Yeah, a load of demons suddenly came out of nowhere and surrounded me and swearing and shouting. Right. But it gave a bit of flavour to us, so I'm glad that I did. But I liked Oxford, I liked Cambridge too. Well, that was our next port of call yeah. uh, from June this year. We spent, was it two weeks there? Yeah, we had the street atheist, didn't we? We kept coming up all A time. real irritant. Oh, yeah, but Cambridge was very good, but we were able to get out from Cambridge, weren't we, some of the surrounding towns? Well, as you know, I've been working on Oliver Cromwell over the last 18 months, and to my pleasant surprise, we came across Cromwell's home. Mm. We came across a free museum uh, set up in his honour and we found other parts of uh, the Cambridge area which has honoured Oliver Cromwell. In fact, our last trip uh, from 2017 took us to Golders Green and like I say, we did very well in Golders Green. We shot some uh, pictures and material for Harry Houdini, Patrick's uh, article from last month. But during our trip to Golders Green, we went to uh, Parliament, got some video of Oliver Cromwell and probably come back and discuss him in a few minutes as well. I mean this project you're doing on Cromwell, when we went, it was Huntingdon we went to wasn't it, and St Saint Ives. Saint Ives, you didn't know that those statues are going to be there or sure. that Cromwell's house is going to be there, sure. but you had been researching Cromwell for what, a year? Well this is how the, the Lord yeah. works, Patrick yeah. came across <laughs> a used book uh, written by Antonia Fraser called Our Chief of Men yeah. and what's somewhat uh, of an interest to me is first of all, I met Antonia's father back in 1996, yep. long before I was saved, Lord Longford, Lord Longford yeah. and we've written about him in the Cromwell article. So very fortuitous for Patrick to come across a book written by Antonia Fraser, an unsaved Catholic, I should say, but a very good writer. I can't fault her mm. appraisal of uh, Mr. Cromwell. And the book that he got for me, was it from a used shop? It was a used bookshop, I think it was 30 pence, and I thought, hmm, you might find this interesting. Yeah. And you did. And it's the definitive book on Cromwell, yeah. nearly 800 pages, fascinating book. I think my overall thoughts concerning Oliver Cromwell was that he would be more, or I would consider him more of a politician than a preacher, mm -hmm. which goes back to the problem of Protestants going into politics, like uh, Ian Paisley, in fact, this year, uh, we saw the death of uh, Martin McGuinness, and it was interesting that his son, James Paisley, went to, uh, excuse me, Ian Paisley Jr., I should say, went to uh, McGuinness's funeral. McGuinness was a Catholic. And it shows you that once people go over to politics, they have to compromise. Big way. But we'll come back to that as well. It's been a very, very busy year for us. I say four outreaches. We've driven over three and a half thousand miles, given out probably... 35,000 tracks? Absolutely, yeah. Just getting back to Lady Antonia Fraser, I think what surprised you was that the lady, well, she is a Catholic. I'm not sure she's practicing, but she was very uh, fair, wasn't she? Very respectful. Right and she did pick up the, the role of the Jesuits, she the Jocada Massacre. And she called him out as well. And she pulled him out as well. And for a Catholic writer, she was very impartial. Yeah. Still alive, I believe. Yes, she's still alive. Uh, the book is definitive on Oliver Cromwell. In fact, my next project, perhaps, will be on King James. Written by... Antonia Fraser. <laughs> she, she's what we call a period writer. Yes. But I spent around 18 months reading on Cromwell, reading about him, watching material concerning uh, Oliver Cromwell, a fascinating man. And I would invite those that want to know more to get our newsletter for this month mm. and read my 30-page article on uh, Oliver Cromwell. I mean, this Cromwell project has taken you from Cambridge to Huntingdon down to London Wolverhampton Wolverhampton um, possibly up to Scotland next year that'll be for King, King James, James. Yeah. but 
a fascinating man and uh, what was your opinion of him all in all? Did you, you learn a lot about him then? I did. You? I would say he was, like most uh, Christian men, complex, two natures. I think he was somewhat uh, corrupted mm. by the power that came his way. He would enjoy grace and favour homes. He had servants. He was, he was uh, somewhat worldly. And like, like I say, uh, when uh, Paisley got involved with politics, Northern Ireland, a compromise uh, naturally occurred. It was somewhat surprising to see Ian Paisley Jr. go to uh, Martin McGuinness's Catholic Requiem Mass early this year. But of course, we have to remember that when Paisley was the uh, first minister of Northern Ireland, he was very close, very friendly with Martin McGuinness. Yeah. Cromwell was friends uh, with a man called Mazarin, Cardinal Mazarin. A very mysterious character who the author Fraser suggests was behind some of the attempts on Cromwell's life I don't know if Cromwell was blind-sighted I don't know if he was in denial when it came to the threat from his friend Cardinal Mazarin mm. but nevertheless he was an interesting man to read about and I hope if you haven't watched the video you watch it it's called uh, to kill the king and the article will be going online uh, in about eight days time just one other final thing on uh, Cromwell I was also very privileged to hear from two descendants mm. this year mm. uh, two descendants of Oliver Cromwell a man in America and a lady in Canada yes amazing and I, I, I salute your tenacity in uh, going through with this project fascinating project well I got caught up with uh, Lincoln again I was in a second-hand bookshop and I came across a book I think entitled the day that Lincoln died like everybody, I know everything about Lincoln, the Ford Theatre, shot by James Wilt Booth, but there's much, much, much more behind all of this. So I bought this book to have a look through it. I thought I might get an article for the newsletter, but I think in the end it came to six articles, didn't it? Yeah, six uh, articles. Five or six parts. And uh, it was fascinating to sort of read all the people behind the James Wilkes Booth, Mary Surratt. I mean, if you know about or you know who I'm talking about, a Catholic, a son John, who was very much involved in it, a Catholic who escaped uh, the government and went to Rome, became a papal chamberlain. In. absolutely incredible all of this and then I found out that when Lincoln was a lawyer practicing lawyer before he ran for president but before he ran for any uh, government seat he was a lawyer in Illinois and he defended um, uh, Chinque, Father Chinque, Charles Chinique. Charles Chinique. And he actually won the case and he wiped the floor with the bishop of that diocese. Was he Jesuit, Trinity? No, no, he wasn't, no. But he'd had a run in with them and he won the case and he uh, and the story is that Lincoln went out to see his, see his friend and the man was crying. Mm. He said, we've won this one, but he said, they will come after you. He said, Meaning the Jesuits? Yeah, they will come after you. And of course, they did come after Lincoln, but it was a fascinating period for me to look at. Mm. Um, still controversial now. Did John Wilkes Booth, who shot Lincoln, did he die? Or did he live on for another 40 years? I Catholic. I look for all of that. Another Catholic as well. Had a St. Christopher medal around his his, his, um, his his neck, you know, the patron saint, as it used to be of travellers. So I wanted to look into that a lot more now. The Catholic connection, the Jesuit connection, how the Catholic Church was reaping the benefits of the South through the mm. cotton fields and the, the plantations and the forests. They had the ports there. They had New Orleans, Pensacola. They could ship the stuff out mm. there. They're not interested in the North. And they got cheap labor, all these slaves working for nothing. No way did they want this to do what Lincoln was proposing to do. So I can see why they took him out. Fascinating period, fascinating characters. You've all seen the pictures, I suppose, of the hangings. Mm. Um, of the seven conspirators and uh, Dr. Mudd, he came into it as well. Catholic. Another Catholic, you know, Dr. Mudd, very shady character, went off to um, a former Devil's Island down in Florida. So, yeah, that took up a lot of time. And you also came across the uh, 
Mormon connection with Lincoln, which you may touch on next now, year. Yes, I did. I, I wanted to add this to part seven, but I didn't get time because I went on to Grace Kelly then, another mysterious death. I seem to be getting caught up these people with mysterious deaths, like who killed Lincoln, you know, and Grace Kelly. Princess know, Diana. Princess Diana, I've done Princess Diana, and Harry Houdini. Even the family want his remains interred because they yep. think uh, there was some dirty business done there by the spiritualist mafia. The spiritualists were very against Houdini. So he was why? exposing them. People like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Lady Conan Doyle, who was very much high in there. And he author of Sherlock Holmes. Author of Sherlock Holmes, you know, and I don't think Sherlock Holmes was a Mormon or a spiritualist. <laughs> but uh, um, you, you're taking on powerful people here, and he did expose them, and he did take them, and he fell out with Conan Doyle over mm. this. And you also had the, uh, the mafia coming into the showbiz then, and he was very much playing all the theatres in America were they involved with his death was it uh, there was no autopsy done that was another thing which was amazing there was no autopsy done on on, on, um, on Grace Kelly either mm -hmm. and apparently her daughter little princess Stephanie she was then was interviewed for about five minutes by the French police with her father there so that's never been successfully cleared up so yeah back to back back to Lincoln so a, a lot of fascinating stuff there I discovered afterwards that he'd been in long correspondence with with um, with Brigham Young <laughs> the first leader of the, the leader, Mormon yeah. religion. And uh, he had asked Brigham Young, he really wanted to put some telegraph posts. That Joseph Smith was, to oh, myself. Joseph Smith, yeah, yeah, Joseph Smith was the first. He was in correspondence with him, yeah. although he'd read the works of Joseph Smith. Yeah. Brigham Young, he seemed to be on a, a very cosy relationship with, mm. and he wanted to have telegraph uh, uh, posts poles put through uh, Utah to give uh, to give the information to the uh, the soldiers there fighting the South and Brigham Young didn't want it and he said mm. if you do this I'll take my army my army well to go and help the the Confederates in the South to fight and so he backed off on that and I think Lincoln was also concerned about the polygamy uh, the marriages and all of this sort of thing and he said you just leave us alone um, so I found a lot more about that and that tied in with Secretary of State William Seward. Now, Secretary of State William Seward was a close friend of Lincoln's, and he was supposed to be assassinated the night that Lincoln was. And one of the conspirators, Lewis Payne, I think it was, or Lewis Payne, or Lewis Powell, as he called himself, actually went into the house to kill Seward. Now, Seward was the Secretary of State. He survived this brutal attack. His little daughter put up a defense against six foot six Lewis Powell. But what I found out afterwards that William Seward, before he became the Foreign Secretary, Sorry, so the Secretary of State, I'm sorry, the Secretary of State under Lincoln was an important congressman, I think, or a senator. And one of the men who came to his house to do some woodwork, a carpenter, was Brigham Young. Incredible. So he knew the man, and later off he went to Salt Lake City, was a guest of the man. So there's this link all the time between all of these people, all very shady, and it comes out later. So just back period. to Chinnikey, very <coughs> briefly. So Chinnikey was... <coughs> he was uh, a, a priest. Yeah, and yeah. Lincoln represented him. Lincoln represented... Yeah, he was defamed. They, Lincoln put his bishop on the, tr on, on the yeah. stand. And wiped they, the floor with him. They defamed him by saying there was money missing and uh, immoral behavior with uh -huh. parishioners, yep. and they relieved him of his of his living. In those days, they had a living when they worked in the church. And they were licensed as well. And they, they were licensed as well. So. <clears throat> Abe Lincoln was a young lawyer, I think he was just setting up then, didn't know a lot about it, but he took the case on. I think he used to take a lot of these pro bono cases, I think you call it in America, where they work for nothing, uh, but it was a pro bono case, and he did win the And floor. he said to Lincoln, they're going to come after you? He said, they'll come after you. He was, he was weeping outside the courtroom, and Abe was so happy, he said, we got it, you know, we won the case, and he said, they'll come after you. And apparently he visited the White House very, very often after that, and when Lincoln was assassinated, he said, I'm not surprised, you know, I'm just taking this long to get him. So it's no stretch to say that the Jesuits were directly I think responsible for the assassination yep. of Lincoln. You've certainly got this Jesuit, Catholic, Masonic connection there to get rid of Lincoln. And in came Johnson afterwards, who, who was a bit of, you know, an alcoholic and so forth. And uh, in fact, 
incredible, the whole thing. But there's still a lot of mystery about John Wilkes Booth, which I'm not sure whether he, he did survive or he was killed in, by, by the Confederate soldiers. What else we got on our list there? Uh, on our list we've got your... Um, your New Testament books, you've been doing seven years. Doing In fact, I should just say, presentation. Yep, uh, this past Sunday I finished uh, Philemon. Well done. Which means I have uh, completed every book in the New Testament. It's been a great privilege and blessing for me to spend seven years working through the entire New Testament. The plan for 2018, God willing, will be to look at the Old Testament in a lot of detail. I spent the last three weeks looking at the uh, first five books. Of the Bible, the Torah, in preparation for my study on the Ten Commandments, mm. and I hope if you want to, oh, if you do, if you want to get a blessing, if you want to join us, uh, do so every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. UK time. Yeah, and finally. I try to skim the papers every morning if I can to find out unusual stories that we can use in the ministry and I came across this story of a concentration camp guard uh, who was living in America, I think he was, um, he had a business, his own business there and they found that he was one of the concentration, I think it was Auschwitz and uh, he knew they were going to come to get him and so his wife had died and he used to get up at 3.30 in the morning, get fully dressed and sit by the front door waiting for that knock to come on the door and I thought amazing he did for three years mm. after 6 30 said they're not coming with me today he'd obviously looked into this and he'd go and carry his day but every morning he got up three dawn raid dawn raid he said they're not going to kick the door in he said I want to see that certificate that uh, that uh, that um, warrant. warrant and make sure it's properly signed and stamped and sealed and the whole thing and I thought wow this could be a good story here now he was just a concentration camp guard and I thought what if there was another guy who joined the Nazi party in the 20s gone through the ranks knew Himmler knew Hitler Martin Bormann Goebbels and all of those people what if he was one of them and he was living in Munich and I called it Munich nights and he went through he saw all what was happening Chamberlain coming to Munich and this is a new article Munich. is it new article yeah and uh, it's a fascinating period and I'm working through this at the moment Good. so it just shows you that this man you know it's not going to happen with well, my man he's waited seven years for them to knock on the door in the Munich police so let's go back to Jerusalem the eternal yes. city yeah. uh, the American government have finally declared that they will recognize Jerusalem as the capital for now, Jerusalem is a secular part of Israel. The Jews went back in unbelief in 1948. They will remain there in unbelief until the end of the church age. Once a church has been raptured, the book of Revelation makes it very clear that the Lord will send two witnesses and they will preach uh, alongside the third temple, which perhaps mm. may start to be built mm. in the next little while. Mm. It is fascinating to me that the Turkish government, so the first Islamic government to grudgingly uh, follow the American lead and move their embassy to Jerusalem. But it's also of interest to me that as of right now, now the rhetoric has somewhat died down, that no American ambassador has been expelled from any country mm. around the world. Every country has uh, relations with others and every country will have foreign ambassadors living in their country. And what could have happened and what I thought might have happened uh, was the Iranians, the Iraqis, the Saudis, and other Islamic countries could have expelled the American ambassador from their countries as a sign of, uh, or as a protest in uh, showing their uh, support of the so-called Palestinians, which of course isn't scriptural, but they didn't do that. Because I think they know deep down that there's not really much they can do. Also, the decision for the Americans to recognize Jerusalem as their capital went back to 1995 mm. when Bill Clinton was the American president. But he was too weak to uh, honor his promise. George Bush was too weak to honor his promise. And therefore, Donald Trump, to his credit, 
uh, honoured the promise and as you all know from I think it was the 6th of December 2017 America has officially recognised Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I'll also say this that part of Trump's speech did speak about uh, Jerusalem being an international ecumenical city. Mm. I'm sorry Mr Trump but that city belongs to the Jews and this is what gets up my nose. People like Trump unsaved, people like May unsaved, people like Macron or Macron and uh, Merkel unsaved. Mm. These people don't know their Bibles. I know Trump's wife's a Catholic. What does that mean? Mm. I know his daughter's a Jew, but what does that mean? And he's being advised by unsaved people in his cabinet, along with the British Prime Minister who goes to church <coughs> every Sunday, along with the German Chancellor who also says she's a Christian. Mm. They're, all being, they're all being advised that Jerusalem is this international city which is partly owned by the Jews and the Palestinians, and that, of course, is a great lie. That city was given to the Jews. It's the Jews' capital of their city. It makes no difference whether or not the Jews are back in the land as believers or unbelievers. The land was given to Abraham. It's unconditional. And this is what gets up my nose. We have a lot of pseudo-Christians in the West, like Britain, America, and even Canada, and Australia, New Zealand, which don't know their Bibles, don't believe their Bibles, are teaming up with left-wing secularists who are very close to Islam, and they're doing so because they hate the Bible. They hate Jesus Christ. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the book of Zechariah speaks very clearly about what will happen to anybody who comes against Jerusalem. Mm, absolutely right. <clears throat> and I, I just look, a quickie here. I remember 1968, the Six Day War. And I remember this reporter saying, we're here in Jerusalem. And he was, had all the camouflage and the, the helmet with press on it. And they were following uh, General Moshe Dayan's troops as they fought street by street by street in Jerusalem mm -hmm. to get to the Wailing Wall, the last mm. part. And I remember watching, I thought, wow, this is history made. And I remember Moshe Dayan getting there. Sort of his camouflage on, his sweat come on, and he touched the Berlin Wall, the Berlin Wall, he touched the Wailing Wall, he said, we're back. Uh -huh. After 2,000 years, he says, we're back, and we're never going to leave again. And it's interesting, because in the Quran, Jerusalem isn't mentioned once. Ah. Oh. It's wow. mentioned 3,000 times in the, in the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, mm. and yet in the Quran, isn't mentioned once. But this is what we are now up against as Bible believers, friends of Israel. We don't have to uh, condone everything that Israel says or does. Of course we don't. No. But when it comes to the land, when it comes to their right to the land, when it comes to the fact that Jesus Christ is going to go back to Jerusalem, we have to stand with Israel. We have to respect them. We have to pray for them. I know there are Christian leaders like Tex Mars and Stephen Anderson who are very anti-Semitic. Mm. And it's been suggested that they have, shall we say, friends in uh, questionable circles who want to attack Israel and the Jews. But from our perspective, we make no apologies for the fact that we are pre-millennial, we are pre-tribulational, and we are very much living in interesting times. In fact, I said it during my uh, video on uh, Trump that this announcement is the most important prophetical statements made in my lifetime. Certainly historical, absolutely. Okay then. Okay, so this will be our close uh, for 2017. Anything else in our sheet of paper? Keep looking up. The Lord is coming back. We're living through some fascinating times at mm. the moment where the world is moving. Get born again. If you're not born again, get born again. That's right. If you're in Catholic system or any other system, get out of it. It's not going to do you any good at all. Life is short, you know, as we said before. 150,000 die every day. Mm. Make sure it's not you. And as the Bible says, the road to hell is wide. There'll be weeping, wailing, and yeah. gnashing of teeth. But the gate to heaven 
is narrow and few be there that find her. We say to everyone, make sure you find that gate. Is it born again? Thank you anyway. Okay, well, thank you as always for watching our videos, for listening to our live Sunday morning services yeah. and for reading our articles. Look out for Patrick's uh, Munich Nights, which yeah. will be going online sometime next year. Look out for Oliver Cromwell. If you want to get our newsletter, drop us an email address and we are happy to add you to our mailing list. My next project, Lord willing, will be uh, probably King James sometime uh, next year. Another controversial man. Another controversial and smeared man. <laughs> yeah. Let's never lose uh, sight. So the reason why these men are so smeared, mm. they are smeared because they took on Rome. Mm. Cromwell took on Rome. Luther took on Rome. Henry took on Rome. And King James took on Rome. And this was something else which uh, really struck a chord with me, that historians, not all, but a good number of historians have attacked people like Cromwell. It's like today. Most journalists today attack Bible believers. We are a minority of minority in the UK. Can I say that? Mm. Those of us which are born again, we are a minority of minority. Never mind the LGBT community. We are a minority religion in this country. And yet we have no uh, people speaking for us. We have no pressure group speaking for us. The media, of course, are against us. The Lord said that, you know, if they hate me, they will hate you. The media are against Israel. The media are against Bible-believing Christians, but they will never criticize Islam. They will never criticize left-wing politics, atheism, secularism. And this is what struck me with the Cromwell article. The historians in this country, for the most part, are part of the state set up, can I say, have decided to attack people like Cromwell and his legacy. They won't tell you about Charles I. It's like if you look at the uh, Russian Revolution, you hear a lot about the Tsar being this awful tyrant, and he probably was to some extent, but how about Lenin? Mm. I mean, Lenin killed far more people mm. than the Tsar did. Mm. You hear all this about Hitler being an awful tyrant, and he certainly was, but how about Stalin? Mm. He killed five times mm. as many people. In fact, at the end of 1945, there were 200, 200 death camps in Russia. Mm. There wasn't a court of that in occupied Europe under the Nazis. But of course, you won't be told this because historians are working hand in hand with the establishment. There is a conspiracy going on, a conspiracy to silence those of us which are born again. And as long as we have breath in our lungs, by the grace of God, we will continue to push on. Yeah, and finally, <coughs> I mean, uh, finally, I, I should say, uh, the, uh, the born-again Christians are unsaid, and so is the King James Bible. Say it again? So is the King James Bible, very much under attack at the yep. moment, trying to undermine it, this wasn't right, this wasn't so forth, criticising, criticising, criticising. That's very much under attack, the King James Bible. A lot of scholars like James White yep. are attacking the King James yep. Bible, taking people's faith away from the Bible. In fact, one of my studies this year was looking at Revelation 22, which says, if anybody adds to the Word of God or takes from the Word of yes. God, Almighty God will take the name out of the Book of Life. And I'll say this, and I'll close. I don't know whether or not that verse is relevant to a saved person. I believe once saved, always saved. But I'll tell you something, that verse comes very, very near. That verse comes very, very near to insinuating that somebody who is saved can lose their salvation if they tamper with the Word of God. I'm not going to say that's definitely the case. I'm not overly sure. But as of my study uh, some months ago, looking at Revelation 22, it looks pretty bleak to me. And if you are a Bible critic, if you are of the Alexandrian cult, the Alexandrian school of so-called higher criticism, and if you are criticizing the King James Bible, if you are attacking the King James Bible, or if you've been part of these new Bible versions, 
which have removed what 64,000 words 64,000 words I am yeah. very concerned for you Paul speaks about such people in 2nd Corinthians who corrupt the Word of God and I would ask you to listen to my 2nd Corinthians study which I was able to finish uh, about a month ago and throughout next year I will upload the rest of 2nd Corinthians so a very busy month four outreaches uh, three and a half thousand miles probably 35,000 tracks given out DVDs yeah. many conversations the car got damaged and we're still legally trying to sort that out to get our deposit back this so. is how the devil gets you mm. right at the end of our uh, outreach yeah. in October November the uh, rental car was going back to the depot that it came from mm. parked in a very quiet side street near my house and would you believe somebody crashed into the back of it mm. it didn't take place on the motorway in fact during our trips around the country we had three near misses we did on the motorway yeah and the lord kept us safe and yet right at the end right at the end of our most successful autumn outreach ever like 12 hours before the car was to go back to the yeah. depot yeah. somebody crashed in the back of the car and caused a lot of damage and we are still trying to work out the financial no repercussions no one was hurt were they well thankfully nobody was in no. the car the car no, was, was parked up right. it was uh not occupied at the time but some character shall we say crash into the back of the car and cause a lot of damage so there's a lot of paperwork going back and forth now I spoke to some of the solicitors last week we're hoping for a settlement in the new year that we get our deposit back uh, I'm not sure we, we were the innocent party again. we were the innocent party yeah so that slightly took the uh, edge off the outreach but it was a wonderful outreach all the same yeah absolutely praise the Lord so thank you for your prayers join us every Sunday morning 11 a.m. Yeah, uh, as we go through the Word of God check out Patrick's projects for next year check out my uh, Cromwell article for this year King and, James in the pipeline I'm looking forward to read it myself and possibly a trip to Scotland <laughs> next year if we uh, take the time to start looking at King James because I'm sure you will because it's a fascinating subject absolutely. It, fit, it fits in it dovetails really in with Cromwell doesn't it it really? does it's yeah. like Charles goes yeah. to Cromwell yeah. That's right. James goes with Luther they all tie in together yeah, yeah. and let me just say this one final time if you know if I haven't said it before yes they are Protestants and I'm not a Protestant yes they were Calvinists and I'm not a Calvinist mm. but that's not the point the point is they were brave men they took a stand and in fact during our trip to uh, photograph some Cromwell statues last week Patrick spoke to a chap in uh, was it with Shore Park yes that's right you'll see the photograph of, of, of it's a park rather like where we are now uh, Cromwell's on this the statue of Cromwell but there's about four foot rock between the plinth and where he is mm. and uh, one of the locals walked his dog by I said what's the story he said well it was over there there's a very old house there which some arsonists burnt down last year four million pounds worth of damage but that's another story mm. and this statue's in the top he said well somebody broke in there and stole the sword <laughs> you mean climbed on the statue yeah climbed up the statue and took uh, Cromwell's sword so they moved it out here now put this uh, uneven rock there about four foot of rock there with Cromwell on top to stop the vandalism he said to you you know we need a Cromwell now didn't he he did he said he we need a Cromwell here I mean he didn't know who we were what we were doing he said we need a Cromwell now here in England and it was like in your country it was pretty bad here and I said absolutely right and then we talked a bit more yeah. and he said this is where the famous battle was and he said he used to come along here with one of his metal detectors and he'd found some cannonballs some bullets belt buckles and then the police came along stopped and they said there's still a lot of uh, bodies from uh, the battle still here yeah every Crazy. battle that Cromwell fought he won that's right so 
pray for Britain, pray for those of us which are doing frontline work. Thank you for your prayers and support throughout 2017, and we hope you will continue to stand with us and support us throughout 2018. Just a quickie, I know we'll let you go in a minute. Why are all these statues being taken out of town and stuck in parks and everywhere? Exactly. Why are they behind railings in Parliament? What's going on it's here? It's because Cromwell's not politically correct. Exactly. They love Charles. They love Mandela. Gandhi. And yeah, Gandhi. And who else did we see in Parliament? We saw... Uh, we saw some old British generals. We, oh, saw, we saw a lot of generals. We saw Churchill. Churchill. And, yeah, we saw all of those guys. But there was talk, can you believe, to take down the Cromwell statues. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to photograph all of them. Mm. There are four in the UK, and I've got all uh, of those photographed for December's newsletter because, who knows, next year the loony left could team up with the Islamists and other Antichrist people and take them all down. And that happens, we've lost even more of our heritage. Well, that statue of uh, Cromwell in Withenshaw Park was in Manchester, yeah. but through pressure probably from some left-wing council, it was moved out to this park way out in the middle of nowhere. That's right. And also the one up in London, when I used to work up in London years ago, I remember walking past it, and mm. you could lean across and sort of touch his boot. Now it's set way back, it's got uh, railings up, and they're doing a lot of work on the House of Commons at and the moment. And you thought they might take it down and I stick it somewhere it outside of London? It'll be stuck out in some parliament and somewhere out of London. Afraid so, that's what they do. And yet all these other statues are there as well. Yeah, the mm. left-wing mafia. But yeah. anyway, we uh, keep pushing on, much work still stay to positive. do. Yeah, got to stay positive. And uh, absolutely, and we pray the rapture will come any time now. Pray for Jerusalem. Yep. Uh, I think what will be interesting over the next few weeks and months will be to see uh, what other countries follow the American lead. Uh, but as of now, like I say, no American ambassador has been kicked out of any Islamic or non-Islamic country. This is the hysteria which we have witnessed over the years when you mention Israel or the Jews people go crazy when you mention Trump uh, they go crazy and yet I would say this how many people know anything about the South African president mm. do you know what his name is no of course you don't do you know how many wives he's got no of course you don't do you know how many concubines and children he has no of course you don't but you know about Trump and no we're not endorsing him we don't believe Trump is saved We've but had this all is these rascals and rogues coming. These here. rascals yeah. and, the, and the Chinese premier. Do you know the name of the Chinese premier? No, of course you don't. Do you know how many people he's had killed? No, of course you don't. Or how about other parts of the world? How about parts of uh, Jordan mm. and Iraq? Or how about parts of Iran? Mm. We've had those leaders come to Britain over the last 25 years. Nothing much has been said about it. And yet next year, Trump is due to come to the UK. And people are already planning protests against a man who was voted in. He didn't seize power, did he? No. Like Lenin? No, no, no. Or like uh, Stalin? No. He was voted in, wasn't he, by the American people? I seem to think he, yes, was. he was. And popular vote. Yep. Well, that's what Hillary got. Hillary, Hillary got the popular got vote. vote. He got the, but uh, he won the actual the, the vote, which put him yeah. into office. That's right. yeah. And the media are ganging up, as I say, to put him down and people like him because he's a pseudo Christian, he's pro Israel, and he seems to be more sympathetic to those of us which are trying to get something done for the kingdom of God. So please do your own research. I said that during my Cromwell video. Don't listen to the media. Don't take what you believe or don't mm, mm. take what you see online to be factual. A lot of antichrists out there, a lot of ungodly people out there, a lot of uh, witchcraft spirits out there. And we are very much living in a generation which perhaps could see the return of our blessed Saviour. Thank you and uh, blessings and Amen. Thank you. God bless you.